Hello, and welcome to The Cage Equation with Duncan Mickelson and me, Drake Mickelson. Each episode, we assign where the blame lays and spoiling an perfect Nicolas Cage performance. To apply the Cage Equation, we start with Cage's perfect 100 and subtract the Metacritic score, which gives us the points, Nick, that we will split between the directors, writers, and Cage stars. This week, we, we watched Drive Angry. Drive Angry is a movie in which Nicolas Cage plays Milton, who returns from hell in order to save his granddaughter, who is about to be sacrificed by Satanists to Satan so that they can bring hell to earth. It also starred Amber Heard, William Fechner, and Billy Burke, and a host of other wonderful people. Um, David Morse, too, is one of my favorite guys in this one. And I will just start, we'll just start straight off with the Metacritic score of 44. Malcolm, how did you enjoy this movie? I almost loved it. And I think they were so close to launching an awesome franchise with just a few changes. I, I think it was, it was almost there. I This is one of my favorite movies we've watched so far. This will be in my top 10 easily. <laughs> Hands down, top 10. It'll be in the top 10 with all of its flaws. Oh. I, of which there are a plethora. <laughs> I would, I would say, yeah, okay. Do, do you want me to start by just, uh, I'll start with, we can talk about Cage first if you want. Let's start um, with Cage. Yeah, yeah, that's where we normally start. Blonde Nicolas Cage is what we all need. Blonde yeah. Nicolas Cage, who is a smooth operator. Not because he's actually a smooth operator, but because for some reason, the sleazy, bleach blonde haired guy in the corner of a diner is being hit on multiple times throughout this movie i don't i don't know if when they wrote this movie if nicholas cage was who they envisioned in that role it was not it was it was supposed to be someone else it was written for a set uh for somebody who would be the actual age of the person who was coming back from hell which was a 70 year old man they had not okay. cast they had not cast anybody but that makes nicholas... less sense <laughs> makes even less sense than what what actually happened on the screen <laughs> Oh, it was awesome. It starts on such a high note, too. It's it's there's never an easier way to score points as a good guy than establishing that the people you're chasing down are strong supporters of the Confederacy. Like that's boom right away. Good guy. You know it. Or Satanist. even though he wasn't really a good guy, it made you feel like he was he was the hero right away. Yeah, I'm having a hard time actually after watching this movie trying to point out who the good guy was. Oh, I don't think anyone was the good guy. No. Which, you know, there you go. There's a, there's a plus. It operates in the gray zone. You know, too many movies want you to say, you know, <laughs> there's a definite good person and a definite bad person. Too many movies want you to say that the baby ends up with someone who is going to be a well-adjusted, healthy mother who supports her child. Thank you. They threw all that out the window. They defied those stereotypes and they gave it. Yeah, nope, we're not there yet. We're still on Nicolas Cage. Um, just a pure badass. And you know what? He made this movie because he wanted a hard R movie. After they took out Season of the Witch, they wouldn't let him cut his eye out. And he got it. He got his hard R all the way through. Yeah, that was probably. I was not ready for it. <laughs> was... It was... <laughs> From start to finish. I had no idea. The last time I was this confused in a movie was um, Unbearable Weight. It was the last time I was just this baffled uh, at everything that was happening. It starts off with the, some of the worst CGI I've ever seen. I will say that. Yeah. I, I thought I was watching a trailer. Even though I had rented the movie, I thought I was watching a trailer for a different movie. Because it starts off with him driving out of hell. Yes. Which looks like a prison. Kind of the point, they bring that all back around that hell is just the prison, devil's award. Drives out of hell, immediately starts blasting other bad guys. Yeah, he was he was great. Flips I don't it. know. I don't remember a single line of dialogue that he said. I don't I don't remember anything about him. I, I remember that he was supposed to be 70 years old. I remember that part um, because his, his license has been expired for like 30 years or something. It was the best Nicolas Cage. There was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of good Nicolas Cage parts on this. I did. It's not even said. Nicolas Cage. I want to talk about, and it may feel like I haven't said anything concrete about his performance. I don't know how much performance that he put on in this. It was a lot of him shooting weaponry. No running. No, it's because he's driving. Angry. He's driving. Yes. The he fact fixes that... a car by tightening a radiator cap. The man's a mechanical genius. Well, I think that's because he actually did that. Three. I think he he's the one that okay. done that. Okay. Let me ask you this. <laughs> 
If I go to your car right now and I slightly loosen the radiator cap, are you only going to make it half a mile down the road? Is that how far? Because it looked like he actually made it. We should probably clarify. <laughs> he does this to, because he likes the Amber Heard's car. So he does that to her car so that she'll her car will break down. And then somehow he's walked the same amount of distance, comes out from behind a billboard and fixes it for her. By tighten, tightening the radiator cap. Because yeah. it's overheating, and he reaches over, and then it's fixed. Yeah, and I actually wrote down, how did he get to where the car is broke down? Because he's angry. Can I point, while we're doing this, I just, because I've noticed this in a lot of Nicolas Cage movies, when he's driving, he has a he has that bad habit of uh, when they're doing the CGI driving, when they're not really driving, which I don't think, most of the interior shots, you could tell there was like a backdrop being filmed behind him. Yeah. A 3D he does, backdrop. He does that rocking motion the whole time with his wheel back and it's forth. Like a, it's like a 1950s movie drive. Yeah. <laughs> if you were in the car, you'd be seasick somewhere within about three seconds. And it's it's not a subtle movement either. And it's constant. It doesn't matter if he's if he's passing someone or if he's talking. I, I swear sometimes when they're at a standstill, he moves the steering wheel. Imagine how annoying that would be sitting in a car talking to someone and they're just sitting there. Yanking the, the steering wheel back and forth. Driving angry. How did they also, one other quick point is I can't believe he didn't do this by himself. How did they not at some point work the, the title of the movie Drive Angry into the into the movie dialogue? You could feel it from his performance. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to. Actual pauses for Nicolas Cage. I don't I don't know. I, all my favorite parts. I mean, he just he just filled the role perfectly. He's the anti-hero. You know, yeah. they tried to do it and they've tried to do anti-heroes in other movies. And I just I don't think it's ever been successfully done until Drive Angry. And I don't think it's ever been successfully done since Drive Angry. Name one movie with an anti-hero <laughs> that bumps Drive Angry in 3D. Well, the subtitles in 3D. in 3D. Shot no, in 3D. I think it's the, it's yes. The film, yeah. Which explains a lot of the rest of the part of what we're about to talk about. Okay, so I was thinking the same thing too. I was enjoying his even the stupid parts where he's smoking the cigar while he's in the in like one of the weirdest scenes while he's having to shoot out while he's with a woman. It I, I like the fact that he seemed to be playing the whole thing. He knew it was ridiculous, so he just played it for comedy, which he should be doing at that point. I, I can't imagine, and this is maybe it's just the fact that I've watched so many Nicolas Cage movies that my my expectations of what's about to happen have been dramatically skewed when I see him on screen. But for some reason, seeing him sleeping with a woman during a shootout and continuing the act as he kills, I think, at least eight people. Yes. I, it just it just felt like a normal Nicolas Cage day. It, it did. It was also probably his most natural um, interaction with any woman on screen that we've seen in many of the movies we've watched. I would say probably uh, him and the opposite sex are not not his best moments in movies. No, especially not the first scene in this. No, I was I was worried. I was worried with. I will say the first scene. I was worried I was going to have to turn it off and text you that we had a third movie. We finally had our third movie <laughs> to make our rejects episode. We've got two of them, but yeah. this one was too, it was too much fun, and everything wrong with it wasn't like. Wrong, wrong i don't know how to describe it it was just bad it wasn't like something like philosophically wrong with the movie it was just a bad movie in certain parts it was yeah it was just serious it was never it was never a serious movie either i think it's his other problems is when he's when they have we've we've had it's when they're actually trying to tackle real subjects within the real world none of this was in the real world other than the fact it was in 3d would probably be the only thing that was real um yeah, so highlight. Yeah, I, that was one of my few notes about him too. Was the highlights in the hair? He does that. He does do the perfect everyman kind of delivery, like board delivery when you should be really nailing the line. He just, you know, just flat gives you a flat delivery and goes on to the next thing. He plays so, an unbelievably good sleazy, yeah, bad guy. Which yeah, I don't I, know if that's a great compliment to him, but I can't think of another movie where he's like that. That we've watched so far. Well, Snake I think Eyes was Snake a different Eyes. kind of bad guy, though. 
Yeah, but this is like kind of a, and I wrote down also it's like uh, the, it's a mix between Ghost Rider, Mandy, and I was trying to say some really god awful movie, but I think Snake Eyes. If yeah, you took, if you took which is not a god awful movie, but took Ghost Rider, Mandy, and Snake Eyes, mixed them together, and then put a hard R on it, and so I want to I want to definitely get the R rating here, and then took a really bad director and put him in front of them. I this is one of the movies where I'm watching it, and I don't usually think this, but. When I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, I think I could direct a movie. I think I could write a movie, and I think I could direct a movie after watching a movie like this. Because I'd argue there's been, okay, so this is what like 20, 23 movies. Yeah, with the with the two we have it recorded. I, I think probably seven of those we could have recorded. We could have directed better, and we probably honestly, if you gave us the premise, could have written a better movie. Also, yeah, I so. I left out a few wonderful things about this movie. Uh, it was released in 2011, so this was still right in the middle of his... Uh, he still had had done some hits. He had not quite fallen off the cliff yet, like he had in the last like in the last five years. It was directed by a guy named Patrick Lucere, written by Todd Farmer and Patrick Lucere. It was budgeted somewhere between $45 and $50 million. It only made $41 million. It was also 104 minutes. It was too long. I think we've uh, mm-hmm. we've homed in on Nicolas Cage. A Nicolas Cage movie that's an action movie should never be longer than an hour and 40 minutes. You know what? I would say, I'd argue that his movie should be 80 minutes. They'll never be shorter than 90. But for some reason, they insist on making them an hour 40. Yeah. Because we could trim, you could trim 15 minutes out of this movie easy and not have any, miss anything at all. And it's never Nicolas Cage that I want trimmed. It's always a writer and a director who think they're they're doing something profound that they 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 got Nicolas Cage and now they think this is my time to shine i would argue and this might be a I, maybe i don't know about these guys at all but i would argue probably never in either of these guys's uh careers have they ever thought to themselves i'm making something profound because i was looking through as a director the director and the writer of, of what they've done what they're shooting for is cool and not like an actual cool, but like a 13-year-old cool. If they can say cool when they were 13 or 14 years old, then they're going to do it. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to tell you the moment that I think they thought was going to be a big moment. And it's it's a it's a fun line, and it's, a, in my opinion, probably the best writing in the entire movie, but it's not as good as they wanted it to be because they framed a whole scene around it, which is the scene where, um, oh, who's the, who's the accountant? William Fickner. Who I love. Yes. I've, loved, I've loved him since I was a kid because he's always been that same character in a bunch of movies that I've seen. But he says there's two there's two parts. I think they thought they were driving home a point. Uh, one at one point, I don't know if he's talking to Billy Butner or the cult leader, but he says, I know Satan and he hates you guys. And like because they're talking about sacrificing the kid. No, he's talking to uh, in the chapel. He's talking to the guy who survived the shootout. Yeah. And basically says, like, you know, Satan's not the one asking you to sacrifice kids here. Like, that's your own thing. And like asking what his, his inverted pentagram is supposed to mean. There's a, there's like way too much dialogue around that. And I thought they they seemed to think that was going to be a big moment of everyone would be like, oh, that's cool. And mm-hmm. it's all right. But the bigger one is when they're talking about hell, he calls it a prison. And he says Satan's really just a warden. And he's pretty well read also. And then they legitimately pause for dramatic effect in there. Like everyone, there's three people in the scene. No one says anything for like a full couple seconds. And then the then they continue the rest of the conversation. I think I think they thought those were going to be, they were going to use those moments to to build their writing career. Yeah. And they had a couple other lines in there too. Like one of the, one of the when he gets in the car crash and he comes out of it, and the one guy says Jesus and he goes, Carpenter, shorter hair than you thought or something like that. I mean, it was yeah. like, yeah, I maybe they thought they were, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm giving him too much credit. Or maybe that was someone else got is there just one writer listed on this? It's it's the writer and the director, the Todd Farmer guy who plays the cheating boyfriend, which by the way, he's given himself that same that same uh credit in two other movies because these guys have made some movies together. I guess it let's just do you want to move into the actors or you want to just go straight into these the director and the writer here with this? Well, I want to stop in the actors because one of the ways I turn this into a franchise. I just remove Amber Heard from it is I have still yet to see a movie that justifies Amber <laughs> Heard's massive career 
including in Aquaman, like getting into a, a DCEU role. I don't understand it. it. Every line was just the most dry delivery, but not so much her fault on this one. They gave her some of the worst dialogue I think of an actress has ever been given. Her yeah, character was so poorly written. Yeah. I don't know if these people have ever interacted with a female. And I think they thought they were building a strong female character. But they built her <laughs> by building a strong female character, they built like a not good human being. Like she wasn't a very good person throughout the movie a lot of times. And then they give her a baby at the end. And you get this problem every time you're in one of these movies, though, is why does this person care about Nicolas Cage at all? She kills two cops knowing Nicolas Cage for a day. And they try to bring, and that's another one. So this is, again, again the writers. They start to bring that back up of like, hey, you you killed cops. Like, there's no way out of this for you now. Except no one saw her do it. Yeah. And then they just kind of drop it at the end again, uh, which is just poor writing. If you're going to bring up a plot line like that, I want it resolved or addressed <laughs> at some point. Renfield did the same thing. Yeah. Um, I hate it. I hate it when they drop this. That would have been an interesting thing to follow but yeah no one saw her do it so i don't know why well but yeah she shot two cops knowing a guy for a day well and one of the reasons why she said she took the role is because she enjoyed the fact that of the character swore in almost every other line which so, was so distracting from the rest of the movie yeah just hard to sit through the because i it was hard to filter through she delivered she delivered them emphatically every curse word was emphatic she really did. You could tell that was why she took the role. She she leaned into the curse words. Yeah. So if we're going to go through. Yeah, she was not so great. Fickner was good. I think he might have been overacting this one a little bit. He's usually a little cooler than this. But yeah. I think I think of a lot of his problems. I think a lot of the problems with a lot of acting that was going on with this was the fact that it was filmed for 3D. Mm -hmm. So you can. And it's old-fashioned 3D. It's not like the 3D now you get with uh, Avengers and all that. And this uh, is Shark Boy and Lava Girl 3D. Yeah, 2011. And it, it's even worse than that because it goes back to uh, Piranha in 3D or Jaws 3D, which you thankfully were not around for. Um, I saw it in, in the theaters. And a lot of the times they would do, the only reason for the shot would be for something to go straight out at you. Mm -hmm. and, to, and they did a lot with that too. Fechner, the coin he kept flipping up in the air, which was... There was no reason for it, a lot of this stuff. And they would just literally shoot because the, they thought it was going to be cool. But it's 2011. We've all seen 3D. They had 3D TVs at home by this point. And for some reason, we're like, we're supposed oh, to be impressed by 3D. Those were a thing. 3D TVs. Yes. Those were the future. Those are <laughs> probably still the future to some people who spent a lot of money on those. Yeah, the, yeah. Coin, the coin was another one of those parts where... So going through like the the trivia of the movie, it was it was pretty cool. It's the it's a Greek coin that they used to put underneath in someone's mouth to pay the ferryman to to cross. Yes. At no point is that addressed, and so no one picks up on that. There's no one who watched that movie and said, "I know exactly what kind of coin that is," which would have made his character way cooler. I feel like his character was kind of lacking until the very end. They they build on him at the very end, but. I would have much rather seen a lot more of him and a lot less of the cult. They did that. Where they, yeah, I was feeling the same way, too. His character was actually interesting. They don't explain him till it's got to be at least about 40 minutes into the film. They don't even call him the account. It would have been easy, fun to know that he was called the accountant and then try to figure out why he's called the account. Yeah. The FBI thing was stupid. Where he keeps flashing FBI badges and people... After the coin. Yeah, and every single cop thing goes, oh, FBI, so I'll do exactly what you say. Not one single one of them ever goes, let me call somebody and see if we should be crossing state lines and starting a message. These are the same cops who set up 40-car barricade in the middle of the highway. Yeah. And, and openly <clears throat> admit to, to wanting to shoot whoever's pulling around the corner on them. I don't, I don't know if these are the kind of cops who would bother calling the FBI. They may not have phones. Yeah, they had like a, was it the captain who never actually put himself in the uniform a single time? He was busy. Yeah. Busy, busy man. And he's a, an old fashioned, was it Tom Atkins, I think his name, but he was like, he's done, was older roles in Westerns and stuff. I think there was a lot of uh, service to like B movies and stuff in this too that didn't do him any good. No. The bad guy, Billy Burke, was played Jonah King. What'd you think of him? 
Oh, no, no. And you know what? Yeah, just no. So that would be one of my solutions would be to cast that role to any number of other actors. Abby instantly recognized him as the dad from Twilight, which I think is the only other role I, I knew him. Like I recognized on his uh, IMDb. I don't, he just, he wasn't charismatic in my opinion. And he wasn't intimidating. Like there was nothing about him that screamed like, oh yeah, people would actually kind of follow this guy. He looks like he should be a cult leader. That's what he's got going for him. He looked like a cult, like a, like a cool, he had the, like a cool hip cult leader. But he did not come across as that once he opened his mouth. I'm looking back, see, I don't think I'd recognize it based off his name anyway, so I don't know why I'm looking back. <laughs> so, yeah, he, and I also didn't like the way he's written. I didn't, um, the whole thing with his the granddaughter, there were too many flashbacks in this movie, too. Why were there any flashbacks in this movie? Well, because it was my the question. Because they, that was the only way they could figure out to explain exactly what had happened. But even when they did, did the flashbacks, you couldn't quite figure out what had happened. The the thing that happened between him and the granddaughter and why he was so angry with her, with her maiming him. And they didn't even make that clear in the flashbacks. So they have flashbacks happen where I don't know why they're showing us flashbacks because they don't even show us anything within the flashback. No, they show us him getting stabbed is really the only thing. They showed yeah i don't you could cut the flashbacks i think cutting the flashbacks would have uh, that's what you could have cut the 10 minutes yeah. you cut the flashbacks you remove the shootout at the church and just shift that whole second act over and dedicate it to the accountant i feel like and then it makes more sense when the accountant allows nicholas cage to carry out his his thing Wait, are we on actors or are we on script or are we on director at this point? Because it's all blurred together. It always does. Yeah. But okay, do we have any other? I'd like to say one other actor in this movie, which every time I see him, I love the guy, is his name Pruitt Taylor Vince. He was the uh, guy that was running the second bar they went to. Oh, yeah. He's got those eyes that kind of don't stay in one place ever. And I've yep. seen him play. I've seen him play good guys. I've seen him play bad guys. I've seen him play serial killers. I've seen him play everything. And every time I see him, he does a great job. And he, he can play stupid. He can play smart. Everything in the and everything in between. Everything he does, he does really great. And then and also those eyes. You can tell that's probably a condition he has. And sometimes he lets them go, and sometimes he keeps them straight ahead. It just depends on the character. I don't know. It's just every time I see him, I love that guy. Uh, the other guy is his old running buddy Webster. Was just David Morse. Yeah. And he's been on a lot of stuff too. I think he's one of those guys that you just kind of see him and go, oh, yeah, I've seen him in something or other. Yeah. Green Mile. I think he was in The Rock too and a few other yeah, things. Yeah. He, he was a big guy in house also. He was one of those guys that I don't think he knew what was happening in the rest of the movie. So he was acting way above his pay grade compared to everyone around him. He was in a much, much better movie. He was in the movie that I would have made that would make this into a franchise. Yeah, he would he, be a, a cornerstone. I was going to say, he's the whistler to Nicolas Cage's blade here. The old man whistler. Which he's is funny. Guy, gets all the gear. He's got two cars. Do they use both cars? I, they, just use, they only used one, I think. They used one, and he picked up the girl on the second one. Oh, okay. So they had to lay out the fact that they had two cars. Why? Why, <laughs> Why did you need to establish that he also owned a car? No, because, I don't know. <laughs> because I think they had a list of all the cars they want these these guys wanted in the movies, and they just had they just hit them every single one of them. I once again, these guys were the director and the writer were basically. I'm telling you, they're like 13 year olds making movies, they or maybe 15 year olds. I don't know. They do every, geek out about the cars. There's a lot of dialogue about the cars, but not like not important dialogue just like I, nicholas cage when he sees the uh whatever car the first car they yeah. like ask a bunch of questions and then i think i think the account also does and specifically asks if it's like the hemi or a different version of it yeah 440 or hemi yeah and um and then like gives a nod of approval like you know the account for the devil you know would do Ugh. Writer and director. We'll do right. them both. Let's do them both because I think they're, it looks like they're a team. Okay. Let's just start off right here. The director. The director has written Jason X, My Bloody Valentine, 
Crystal Lake Memories, a complete history of Friday the Thirteenth. This is the director that's done these, and um, oh no, that's the writer did those. Those the director's done the Purge TV series a couple times, um, Drive Angry in 3D, My Bloody Valentine in 3D, and then Dracula 2000. I who starred in that? I have no idea on that one. That was like a really bad, bad uh, remake of Dracula. Let's see here. Johnny Lee Miller. Oh, Gerard Butler was in it. I don't know what he played. He probably played Van Helsing in it. So these guys are known for some really great movies. Um, although we we have talked before, Jason X is probably the best Halloween movie or, or the best Jason movie ever made. Oh, without a doubt. It's about as bad as this one as far as special effects go, but it's Jason in space. I think it's made like five years before this one, right? Yeah, and it's using the same 3D technology, which is one of the reasons I also read that Nicolas Cage wanted to do it because he wanted to work with the 3D technology. I don't buy that one, but that was another little tidbit. I have a feeling that sometimes Nicolas Cage may say a few things during the the press briefers that may not be true. Yeah, he's struggling to find something. <laughs> he but, said, "He said I watched My Bloody Valentine, and I said that I re- I remember the trailer for My Bloody Valentine because the big moment in the trailer is him throwing an axe that is very clearly going to be in 3D, mm-hmm. but it just completely falls flat because you're never watching the trailer in 3D. So you're like, oh, that just looks awful." And they and they copied the scene again in this one in the shootout when the guy throws the axe at Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage turns his head to the left or to the right so that the axe that was going to still miss him by at least a good half a foot now misses him by an extra two inches and can stop a wisp of his hair as it flies by him. Long blocks, beautiful golden locks. And then there's a these director. These are two directors that didn't use. I bet you anything, if we look through this, there was no fight choreographer or choreographer at all. No. Because the satanic dance at the end with all this Satanists, which is the worst amount of collection of Satanists I've ever seen, are dancing around fires. And you can tell they, the director literally just threw them out there and said, hey, everybody, look like you're having a Satanist party. It leads the, into the, one, of the, one of the worst shootouts I've ever seen also. Oh, well, that... Well, one of the worst shirt, one of the worst three shootouts you've ever seen because you've seen the three shootouts in this movie. My well, no, 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 no. That first shootout, pretty cool. Shoots off a hand, I think. Second so, shootout, not bad because I I like the second shootout. I think it's good. I think it also establishes that he's immortal wait, wait, for whatever which, reason. Which one's the first shootout? The first shootout's in the hotel, right? No, it's for the flip car. So that would be the third shootout. Would be the one I'm talking <laughs> about in the church. The okay. second shootout was the longest shootout ever. In, in my recollection, it could be the fact that Nicolas Cage is having sex with a woman for the entirety of it. And for, I think, a full five minutes before it starts also. That might be, maybe I, I mix those, I include the time yeah. complete. But the first and the third, I enjoyed. The car chase, though, was was just, ugh. It was awful, but I, the second shootout dude also had probably my favorite worst stunt in the whole movie. The last guy that got shot is standing in front of a window. He shoots him in the stomach with his gun, which is just a regular pistol, I believe. Mm-hmm. The guy's feet fly out, and he falls through the window because you can tell they put a rope on his feet and just pulled the, the rope out through the window. So he goes feet first out of the window yeah you know, I, awesome. it was it's incredible i'm telling you this is like these guys are not operating on an adult level yeah I'm that's t- what so how what was the budget 45 million there, there's no way this was 45 million okay you got 10 million for nicholas cage okay you got 35 million for the 3d camera yeah, I, I, you know what amber heard probably cost probably took quite a bit also i imagine <laughs> I, I mean, she's a big name. I feel like, you know, so half the budget went to the actors. Uh-huh. 3D had to have cost absorbent amounts of money, I feel like. And can I just throw out there a couple of movies? That, I know these movies are in different different eras, kind of. But because I had just seen these movies recently and been, and been listening about them and for some reason dealt into them. Like the original Alien and Aliens. Mm-hmm. They were made for, Alien was made for $11 million. 
aliens was made for 18.5. Now, if you adjust that for inflation, for inflation it was 48, 48, 45 to 48 million dollars. So both the Alien movie and the Aliens movie were both made for around the same amount of money these this movie was made for. So it was Redfield. Yeah. And this movie was filmed, you can easily tell, on dirt roads out in the back of the middle of nowhere. They spent no money at all on anything. The RV? Yeah. Okay. Like, so it like someone owned an RV. I did no worries, guys. I've got one. I, I was going to sell it anyways. We can just use I'll use it right off. The last shootout was horrible. Yeah, if we're going to fix this movie, number one, you could cut out probably one of the shootouts. Maybe. But you could definitely cut out that entire car chase and the RV scene. They are in a magical RV that every time it went around the corner at 80 miles an hour, supposedly, nobody inside at all moved at all. Although RVs work. Because you see, inside's a domicile. You live inside. So it's got to be sturdy. The outside is a vehicle, so it, it just moves. Although I would, Does your I, house shift every time you drive your car? I'd also point out the fact that I don't think any car in this movie ever went over 30 miles an hour anyway. Well, they couldn't afford to scratch any of the cars. <laughs> they weren't theirs. Every time they drove by something, it was like, drive angry, really slow. It's just, like, <laughs> just like, You know what? They might have been their cars. What I think happened with them driving so slow, outside probably not knowing how to get proper permits for anything, was I feel like the reason they were so passionate about those cars was because it was their cars. And they said, if someone scratches these cars, there's two options. It was either their cars, they said absolutely no one drives this car over three miles an hour, or they leased those cars and said absolutely no one looks at these cars the wrong way because we do not have any budget left to pay to repair these cars the the other one the other prop that was cracking me up was the guns not a single one of those guns had ever been used before they i i don't know if this is satan satanist protocol or something but for some reason they had taken perfect care of every single one of their weapons they were all shiny they were completely oiled and you could tell and then the one guy in the church had the gun he handed it when they're handing out the guns, he decided to give his gun, his gun, to the smallest woman that was there. She looked like she's about five foot two, and he handed her. Was it like a? It wasn't a Desert Eagle, but it was like a. a I think it was those, a Desert Eagle. It was a forty-four, but it was a revolver. It was a, like a. Oh, was it? There a was mag- a Desert Eagle in this movie too, though. A very small person was shooting. Yeah, and it had, it had a Magnum revolver with a giant scope on it. So basically, it was like. You gotta Here. be able to hunt, hunt, you know, rhinos and stuff too. Just, just okay. Oh my gosh, it was. Once again, everything in this movie just seemed like it was made just straight out of like somebody, somebody's notebook somewhere. You could, if you would have found a notebook at, when you were in middle school, and some kid had written a script on, you know, on paper. So I mean, this is would have been it with the storyboards and everything else. I'm ready. I'm ready to tell you how you launched the franchise out of it now, though. Okay, let's right. go. From, let's, from an adult perspective. Let's fix this. Take out Amber Heard's character. Okay. You put in the guy from Sahara, not McConaughey, the assistant from Sahara. Okay. You need a witty sidekick. Yes. You cut out, you keep the church shootout, you cut out everything at the hotel, you take that hotel budget, you put it into the car chase. The car chase is gold. And the reason the car chase is gold is because it got the accountant to... I'm okay. You're gonna have to remind me how this scene plays out. <laughs> he's either surfing on a, a gas tanker. That, that's not the car. You're, that's not the car chase. That's that is the, the car chase because he's they're chasing them to the the police the police barricade. Yeah, he comes from the other direction and blows it up. But was that car? The car chase was basically over at that point, though, right there, because he had gotten her back. Well, you from have the, to keep the car chase to get that scene. That's true. Also, you could do a really good, some really cool stuff with some RVs. Yeah. So, so you keep the, you take the hotel budget, you put it into that. You have the witty sidekick. You take out the whole side story of the the, the granddaughter thing makes sense, but you give it to the Whistler character. Yeah. Uh, I I forgot his name already because now he's he's the Whistler character. Okay, so you get there, same ending, but now the count. 
you can sit down. The count basically explains, you know, you know, you're not the first person to escape. That's why there was only three shots in the God Killer. Boom. You're not doing a sequel. We haven't even talked to you. You back that up. You back it up. And you explain one why whoever made the God Killer, which exists for whatever reason, um, that they use all the bullets for not killing a god. Um, they use it to kill a regular dude and another regular dude, I think, right? They kill yes. two regular humans with already, yeah. One of which is a background character. We should explain that the God Killer is a very antique-looking inscribed weapon. It looks that, like a minigun. That when you everything. when you open the case that it's kept in, CGI wisps of smoke blow yes. all over the place. And it's established. So, opening scene, shot out of hell has the case, opens it and shoots one of the bullets almost immediately. The first time he sees the accountant, which is in the first act. Yes, I think never gets brought up again till the end and then they waste the last few bullets so was the was the satanist guy was he did he have power or did he not no, have power he had no power he was just so, a dude so why did he get killed why did they have to use a god killer to they shoot the not. guy why did a giant portal open up behind him because that's run, what the god killer does and really bad it creates a really bad cgi scene with the with the whirlpool and the melting faces and stuff yeah, okay. The, the same animation <laughs> the same they used is, in Temple of Doom, just worse. I, um, I would take the t- no. I would say it's probably the same animation they probably used in Paw Patrol. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <saying. laughs> it was so and, bad. But so, God Killer only has three bullets. So okay. what you have immediately, you have prequels, right? You do a prequel. You explain how they got down to just the three bullets. Whoever made the God Killer gets killed in that. We're down to three bullets. Now you also have it's it's a it's a trilogy, but you're gonna do it all wonky because these jackasses messed it up already. You know, I'm rebooting the franchise here. Okay. Then you're gonna need a sequel. That's when you can bring back uh what's his you know, you probably cast Sam Rockwell instead of uh Sahara guy. I haven't seen him in anything in forever. Yeah, Sahara guy, Sam Rockwell would do much better. Um then you have the sequel of all right, now we actually need the god killer, we don't have it. Boom! Another adventure movie. Well, now gotta that, find a way to kill a god with no god killer. The well, you have to, is the is the string that ties it all together. And you have to find the guy that made the god killer. Who made the god killer? That's who you have to find. Well, I don't know. I and then also you can have the granddaughter cut now. The granddaughter is actually grown in the third one. And you have um oh what's her name? What's their name from um The Last of Us? Yeah. You have them. Them be the granddaughter, so you could you could scrap you save the sequel till you've you've run aground, or that you save the prequel till you've run aground of the sequels, and so then when you need to relaunch, you do the prequel to explain the lore behind the first movie. It's like a Rogue One, you know the people will uh-huh. be, they'll be like, what what are you doing this for? What are you doing this for? It's gonna be the best movie in the entire franchise, though. Where does Pedro come in? He's probably the guy who made the God Killer, I'd imagine. I guess so. That'd probably be good. Yeah. So franchise. <laughs> but, you have to, but you have to remake Drive Angry now because they butchered it. Butchered my baby. Look what they did to my baby. Oh, baby. oh no. I'm this telling is... you, that movie, it was ooh, it was right there. I saw the potential. I still see the potential in it. It was the most stupid. It remind I haven't, you know, my issue is I don't watch made for TV movies uh-huh. that are like R-rated movies enough. I, it was probably made for like, I don't know, whoever bought the other val- Bloody Valentine. I imagine that was probably <laughs> Cinemax or whoever, HBO back then. I haven't watched a lot of those movies, so it, it enthralled me. It'd been so long. Uh, well, franchise. Since we're okay, since you you solved the movie, I couple things I'd like to throw out that just bothered me too about the whole thing. Why did the accountant stop him right before he went and did the thing that the accountant was telling him to go do? At the very end, he holds Amber Heard um hostage to tell him to go kill the people and free his granddaughter just like he was going to. Oh, they explained that. Why? Two part. Okay. The accountant's a genius. 
Okay. Um, became always worried he was going to use the God Killer on him. He had already tried once, if you remember, grace the cheek or something like that. Um, and two, to make sure there was an agreement, once you're done, you and I were hopping in the car that I spawn, and we're going to drive right back to hell. I thought that was perfectly clear. Okay, sorry. And a vehicle to explain that Satan's just a warden who's very well read. Okay. Well, I just thought. Do you feel silly yet? You feel ridiculous? (laughs) I feel so bad. Um, My other question is on this one. And this is just making the movie. So they had a meatloaf song at the end. If you're going to do this, why didn't you just have meatloaf songs through the whole movie? Why was it meatloaf in the movie? Why was that meatloaf? Think the cost that much? Why was (laughs) you could loop it all together? Why was it meatloaf? Why wasn't he the cult leader? He wasn't doing a whole lot at this point. No, he he was the apprentice. He was on. Yeah, but this around the time he did Fight Club. Fight Club didn't come out in 2011, did it? It was uh, it was like a few years after, but it was around the same time. I mean, he was still known as an actor. This was like 10 years ago before he went completely off the rails. Um, yeah, there were so many things that were so weird. Oh, and I'd also like to point out that uh, as good as Nicolas Cage was was in this movie, looking at his damaged eye in the mirror, uh-huh. Arnold, Arnold did it better. Because it was a straight-off Terminator rip-off that whole thing, yeah. through that whole thing, too. Um, that was the point. The eye was the point. That's what created this, <laughs> that's this so movie. That's so they cut the scene from Season of the Witch, and you, you got this instead. Which was just barely over an hour. Yeah, and then they killed him in the Season of the Witch. I don't want to go back and rehash the Season of the Witch too much, but the, he ended up dead in Season of the Witch. Why wouldn't they just go ahead and do the eye in Season of the Witch? Because they, they backed out of the R rating. Is that, they is filmed that, it, I think. Was that really what did it, though? Yeah. Uh, that's, what the, that's what he said. He said they backed out of the R rating. He, he was supposed to lose his eye in it. They yeah. backed out of the R rating. And then, you know, Ron Perlman, I mean, he's a family man. Yeah. He doesn't do this hard R nonsense. Sons uh, of Anarchy, family show. So you... so. You didn't like the overall, did you not like the execution or the overall idea of, of at the last scene where he drove around in a big circle, shooting out of the window, shooting people in his car until it somehow flipped over on its back? On its... That was the dumbest shootout. <laughs> I forgot that happened. Um, I think here's the issue. Here's Here's where I think they ran into an issue here. They decided to apply logic only in that scene because to me, that scene played out as I already used all my heavy hitters in in the middle shootout, so there's no one left. So it's just a bunch of random naked people running around who have a couple guns. All the people established as his like hitmen are already dead halfway into the movie. Why? I don't know. Unforced error on their part. Um, so many, so many unforced. And why is the Satanist guy giving the baby? This, what uh, was the thing with that uh, woman? What was the who who said you know what we need is an unnamed character who's just throughout the movie a, a creepy woman who constantly has the baby who's about to murder the baby and then we introduce again I thought I think they thought they were being sharp with it because doesn't the accountant he goes he she gives him the baby he goes would you have killed it if he had asked and then don't they kill her too? They don't kill her. She runs away because. Yeah, I thought so. Basically, I'll see you soon. I'll see you Basically, soon. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, the, uh... <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot of threads in this movie that didn't need to be there. Simplicity is your friend. Yeah, it is. And also a good stunt coordinator, which they didn't have either. A stunt coordinator. A- really. Any stunt coordinator. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Or just cut the stunts. <laughs> No oh one, my you god you get shot through a window that's okay. no i ugh. okay so <laughs> yeah now we that was come... a movie that was a movie we will now come to the uh i think come to the point where we're going to go ahead and maybe assign some blame here on this one have you pre-recorded any or pre 
we thought this out at all or are we just going to go by yeah, i had uh i had 15 points for um the actors mainly billy um amber heard you know what even though i don't i genuinely generally don't enjoy her in a lot of movies i feel like most of the blame on this one comes purely down to the character they wrote for her yeah you could have put any actress in that role and it was going to be a bad performance yeah um but the i don't think i that cult leader is just not a cult leader no and then all the i I, the other thing was i think every woman in this movie was just written just awful as usual they they don't know i don't think they've ever interacted with a woman no so um yeah you know what you know what i'm gonna five points to to uh the cult leader everything else to the the uh Let's see. What does that leave me with? Fifty six. That leaves me with fifty one. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go thirty points to the writer. Okay. Because we left out my least favorite part, which is the part that almost made me turn off this movie, which is the entire opening sequence of of the whole diner scene. Yeah. Was disgusting. It was meant to be too, and that was like yeah, and then it was meant to be, but there's no point because that the guy, the the chef, doesn't ever show up again the co-worker doesn't ever show up again so you don't need to establish that this guy is like not even borderline like committing sexual harassment and i think I, like doesn't he like grab one of them by the arm and like shove them or something it's yeah it's worse yeah. than that i mean you know it's yeah it does worse than that so uh, i i think i blocked out the scene but it's yeah. it's not it's a terribly like it's there's no reason for it same thing with the boyfriend scene and you know what 40 points to the writer now because he wrote that scene and put himself in that scene. And then the other 16 to the director and the cult leader gets none from me. I would, I'm going to agree with you except for one. The the only problem I have with that is the director was so bad that the writer had to be that bad in order to see. He's stealing points from this guy. Yeah. I'm trying to think of an analogy. I don't know how this got a 44. It was... The execution all the way through the whole thing was just so bad. I and you know sometimes we're sitting. You could say, "Well, it was made by prof-. none of that." There's nobody professional making this movie. No. Uh, what would you give this movie? What would what would be your your my Metacritic what's score your rating? Let's establish what's your metric, and I'll have my metric, and we'll start rating these movies at the end too. Okay, so what are we going to go like fifty? Is just an average movie. It's your rating scale. Your, uh, yeah. Uh, what's his face? Ebert. Ebert. Oh gosh. Yeah. I'm like. I would have to give this one. Okay. If I'm gonna rate it from one to a hundred, I'm gonna say that. Uh, be clear. It's not actually a top. My version's a top ten of mine. This one yeah. is not. It's it's gonna be, in that um. Oh, what was the the bottom category? Cage. Get our witty yeah. cage names. Yeah. Cage completus only. Yep. <laughs> it's gonna be towards the bottom. Of bottom there. Rating. Yeah, I'm looking at the list of what we have here, and I would say probably our, if we're looking right at the middle of what we're doing, prisoner kick-ass prisoners of Ghostland seem to be both of our cutoff yeah. points right there. It's definitely way below that. I'm gonna get. I'd give this twenty out of a hundred. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a thirty-three uh-huh. out of a hundred and one because I like yeah. the. I like to have more flexibility than most people. So hundred one. Yeah. Thirty-three, based purely off of. <laughs> Nicholas Cage, and then the Whistler guy, and um, the accountant. The accountant was a cool character. He was a cool character. I, yeah, I mean, there was the whole thing. It was like, but I wonder where they stole it from. Because th- these guys that made this movie didn't come I, up with that. They didn't think of that. That's too smart yeah. for them. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, you know what? And you know what? I'm going to give it a 34, just because I have that one extra point that you don't have to play with. Because I also think... The plot twist, while it fell flat because Nicolas Cage, I think, was 40 at the time that he made this movie. Um, the plot twist of everyone realizing that he's undead, it was pretty it was pretty well done. It was just for the Amber Heard's revelation. No, was not was well it? written out. No, of course it wasn't, because it was a flashback of everything that had happened that she that all the stuff that we had seen in the movie, she didn't pieces yeah. together remembers visually by them showing us the movie again. That makes me cinematic masterpiece. Makes me angry. Makes me angry. Makes me angry when I see something like that. 
I feel like you're, you're they're going to lose points if we keep talking about it. We are. They're down to twenty. They're down to nineteen now. Thirty-four and nineteen. I, I'm, I'm cat. I'm podcasting angry now. What do you think about that? Oh, they gotta uh, watch out. We'll take them down. Take them down. Have they made anything recently? Um, I, nothing. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> they they have, but I. I uh, what was it that they'd done? Uh, I actually, I had actually pulled them up on the screen just because I was trying to see. You can pay all... Twitter bots to start bombarding their comments with the, with the, what what have you done to our cage? What have you done to drive angry? So the latest thing that uh that the that the writer has done is something called Trick. Never seen it, um, and the director has just done a movie called Play Dead. Sounds like another classic. Yeah. And I don't even know what that one's about. I don't want to know. Um, uh, he also co-wrote Terminator Genesis. So that, I mean, there there you go. That's his claim to fame. I feel like he's the guy who got, they probably brought in someone to write, rewrite for it. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a movie that got rewritten and that's why it ended up the way it ended up. How do these people keep getting jobs? I don't know. Who's his parents? I don't know, but you can't say it's because he brought in cheap movies because how uh, I could, you could make this movie. You wouldn't even need special effects. You could make it. Uh, I'm done talking about this. I'm just going to okay. get more angry. Here's the outro. It's Give him the outro. The classic Drake outro here. <laughs> All right, well, thank you once again for listening to Cage Equation with Malcolm Mickelson and me, Drake Mickelson. Uh, join us next time. We'll be cruising, leaving Las Vegas. Nicholas Cage's Academy, Academy award-winning turn. Thank you for listening to us again. Um, you're welcome, Nicholas Cage, for once again proving that it wasn't your fault. And we will see you next time.